What a wonderful morning it is to hear about the work of the Lord in the lives of God's people. It is a blessing to be with you this morning. Got a lot going on, don't we? Baptism and videos. Um, so Hala's testimony, what a beautiful picture. I, I am always uh, challenged and encouraged to hear um, what God does in the lives of people to reflect himself. And um, it is Sanctity of Life Sunday every year around this time. We do preach a message on the sanctity of life where we are reminded that every person was created in the image of God and that God values every individual life. And our heart at Northwest has always been a heart for all people, any size, color, nationality, or social strata. You may not know this, but in 1988, we were the catalyst to start what was then known as the Crisis Pregnancy Center, which has now become Hope Pregnancy Centers. There are now eight pregnancy centers throughout the state of Oklahoma that serve women with unplanned pregnancies in dealing with families and other issues in the home. The state director of Hope Pregnancy Clinics is a member of our church, Miss Gayla White. You can encourage her and her team. Uh, whenever you see her, you can encourage her. I told her the other day, that your work is a work of spiritual warfare and we need to be praying for you and your team constantly. So whenever you see her in the hallway, you see her in, in her room or you're in her community group, please lift her up in prayer as her work um, in, in sharing the gospel uh, with mothers and fathers of unplanned pregnancies is a tremendous work. I have actually the privilege of working with their team in what they call forgiven and set free classes. We see the power of the gospel uh, transform the lives specifically of women who have gone through abortion as they find freedom and healing from that in their life. And so there is freedom and healing to be found in Christ in that area. But this morning, we look at another aspect of the sanctity of life. We look at adoption. On the other side of the legislation that has been recently passed in regards to abortion, what is the church's role? The church's role now is to say, we will take the children. We will be the ones who not only stand for life, but live our life in action. And what we're really talking about is truly the heart of God. As David in Psalm 68, which has become one of my favorite psalms. If you've been here for the past few weeks, I talk about Psalm 68 all the time. But in Psalm 68, David declares... God as the father to the fatherless. This is what he says in Psalm 68, 5. Father of the fatherless and protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. You see, God cares about the fatherless, the orphan, 
the widows. He cares about the little boys and girls. He cares about the little boy going from foster care home to foster care home in Oklahoma City, and so should we. He cares about the little girl growing up in an orphanage in Kochi, India, and so should we. So what we've been talking about in this series is people who are supernaturally gifted to reflect the glory of God And adoption does just that. God may have given you a gift to give to someone else. And my prayer from preaching this text this morning is that you see not only how much your heavenly father loves you as as you are his adopted children. But you also see the beautiful picture of adoption as it relates to the gospel. And maybe, just maybe, God may be calling some from our church to picture that through your family. As we saw the testimonies of some in our church who picture that through their family. So let's turn in our Bibles to Romans chapter 8 verse 14 as we see what a beautiful picture is. I was listening to someone the other day who said Romans chapter 8 is the greatest chapter in all of the Bible. I don't know about that, but it is a tremendous chapter of the Bible. So if you'll stand with me as we read God's word here at Northwest, we stand in honor of reading God's word because it is truly the life that we need. Romans chapter 8 verse 14, <clears throat> we'll start there. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. What a beautiful passage of scripture. You can be seated. Let's pray. Father, we ask that our time together would be fruitful that we would see the truths of the scripture to transform our hearts and our minds. Father, that we would have encouragement from your word. Father, that you would change our hearts, that we would view people the way that you view them. And Father, we would just be saturated with the love that you have for us as your adopted children, and our spirit would cry out, Abba, Father. Lord God, encourage us today. Lord, you know we need that encouragement. Encourage us from your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You have heard beautiful stories of adoption this morning from our own people. What a beautiful picture it is to have people from your church who proclaim the story of God in their own life. 
what God has done in and through them and the beautiful picture of their family as it pictures the gospel, as it pictures what God has done with us. Russell Moore actually tells a story of adoption in his own life, and he goes to adopt in a rural mining community in the Soviet Union at the time. He said that this was the first of uh, two adoption trips, so this was quite some time ago, Soviet Union time. He said it was a different world, people speaking another language, cigarettes everywhere. What stood out to him was when he entered the orphanage. And the orphanage had hundreds of little girls and boys. And he began walking down the hallways. And what was so eerie about the orphanage was it was completely silent. He turned to his wife and he said, we're in a building filled with babies. I tell you what, if you were to go to our nursery this morning, it would not be silent. And this is what babies do. They cry. And what they learned was this silence was typical of orphanages because a baby cries for a reason. They want to be held or comforted or fed. And after a while, when the baby realizes no one is coming, they simply stop crying. So while Russell was there, he was planning to adopt two one-year-old boys and the babies were completely silent with them when they would visit them. And the last day came and they knew they would have to leave and come back a few weeks or months later. They would have to return to the States to go do paperwork and they didn't know how to tell the boys that they were leaving, but they would return. So he said he laid his hands on his children and said the only thing he knew to say, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And they left. And as they were walking out of that orphanage, they heard a terrifying scream from one of his sons. And yet, it was a beautiful sound because he knows he has a father. And he knows his father would hear him. This is the way that Paul talks about us as God's children. They know that God hears our cry. This is the spirit of adoption in which we know we have a loving father who hears our cry, Abba, Father. Adoption, it speaks of the permanency 
of our relationship to God. We are not slaves. We are not hired hands doing God's work until we mess up or he doesn't need us. No, we are adopted into the family of God. We are given the inheritance of Christ. This is the beauty of the gospel. This is why we live our lives to the glory of God. Why? Because we want to. Because we are his children. This is the spirit of adoption. Verse 14, let's look at it together. For all who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. This is our first point this morning. Children of God are led by the spirit. Children of God are led by the spirit of God. Let's go back to verse 12 and 13 to give us some context here. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Those who are born again or born of the Spirit now put to death the deeds of the flesh. Why? The Spirit convicts us of our sin or the way of death and leads us to life in Christ. So think of Israel. I think of Israel when I read this text being led by the Spirit of the living God. I think of Israel as God saves them out of bondage in Egypt. And how did he lead them? He led them with a pillar of fire. You see, the Spirit leads us out of our old ways in Egypt. God shows himself through God's glory and salvation, through judgment upon Pharaoh and the ten plagues. And now he says, leave behind your wicked ways and follow me. This is what he says to his church. I have shown you my glory in salvation through judgment upon the cross of Christ in which I poured out my wrath for you to save you in the blood of Christ. I have granted you freedom from the slavery of sin and now you are to die to the flesh and be led by the spirit of the living God. Just as God is leading his people out of Egypt through the pillar of fire, he leads us through the Holy Spirit. You see the work, the word for Holy Spirit in the Old Testament is ruach. And the Greek is pneuma. It is meaning this power, energy, force, life. And here in Romans 8, it is the moving power of God himself to overcome the desire of the flesh or the world. So just to name a few things that the Holy Spirit does in the life of a believer, he creates spiritual life, conversion, regeneration, He sanctifies, he equips, he gifts, he calls, he produces fruit, he provides power. 
To summarize, he enables you to know, grow, and go. He enables you to know God, thus you give your life to him. He enables you to grow or mature into the character or Christ-likeness. And he empowers you to go and do the work in which God has called you to do. We've really been hitting on the last one in our series, Gifted to Give. The empowerment of God to reflect God's glory through your life. But his children are led by the Spirit. Why? Because they desire to be led. People that know our dog, um, our people that live in our neighborhood know us because of our dog, okay? So uh, our dog's name is Bear, and uh, my wife is, is, is kind of like Caesar Milan, uh, and so she walks the dog every day, and uh, she gets it done. And sometimes I walk the dog if she's unable to do that, or we walk the dog together. But when we say, Bear, it's time for a walk Guess what? We're not having to pick him off the couch. We aren't having to chase him around trying to put his leash on him. We're not having to coax him with a little treat to go outside the gate. Now he wants to go for a walk. He sits at the gate waiting for us to put his leash on. He jumps up even if he's in a cold, dead sleep. If he hears the word walk. He's ready. Not so much for the vet, though. (laughs) He knows the parking lot now. And he will not get out of the car. I'm serious. He literally puts the brakes on inside the car. And he's he's a relatively big dog. My wife usually takes him. And you can imagine her having to pick up this 75 pound dog. And carry him through the parking lot. Because he won't get out of the car. Do you view your walk with the Lord. As something that you enjoy. And are ready to drop everything to be led by God? Or is it something else? Paul calls it the spirit of slavery. That maybe is causing you to dread being led by the spirit. You see, children of God are led by the spirit because they desire to be led. Verse 15, I think Paul explains the other side of the coin, the spirit of slavery. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. This is our second point this morning. Children of God of God are given the spirit of adoption that declares that they are in the family of God. They are given the spirit of adoption. 
There are two spirits Paul is contrasting here in the text. One is the spirit of slavery. What is the spirit of slavery that you were not given? Well, the idea of the spirit of slavery is the opposite of adoption. It's the idea that God is the cruel taskmaster who is never satisfied with what you do. This is the God of Islam, Allah, who weighs your good and your bad and decides whether you are good enough. It's the God of religious good works in which people think that they can attain the favor of God by doing and being good. Yet this spirit of slavery grows to hate God. Why? Because it is living in constant fear. Fear of death. Fear of failure. Fear of not being good enough. This is a false understanding of the gospel. This is the opposite of the spirit of adoption. You see, the picture that God is showing us of the spirit of adoption is a father saying, I choose you to be my son, my daughter. Not because you're the strongest, not because you bring something to the table, not because you're good, not because you have anything to offer, but because I love you and I've declared my love to you through giving my life for you upon the cross. And I want to extend to you my grace, my unmerited favor to you. I choose you to be my child. I have given my love to you through the cross of Christ. You see, Christ died in our place so that we may be holy and blameless and children of God. I love the way this conversation goes between a daddy and his daughter. And if you haven't had this conversation, I I encourage you to have it. Does daddy love you because you're beautiful? No, but I am beautiful, the daughter replies. Does daddy love you because you're smart? No, but I am smart, the the daughter replies. Does daddy love you because you're going to be a great leader one day? No, but I will be a great leader The daughter replies, why does daddy love you? And the daughter says, because I am your daughter. This is the spirit of adoption in which Jesus declares, you are my child. You see, the spirit of adoption says the finished work of Christ on the cross was enough. You are a child of God. The spirit of adoption says, I am a child of God because I cry out to my father. You see that term Abba in there? Abba, father. The term Abba is an Aramaic informal term for father. We would say daddy or papa. Just as Jesus did in the garden. 
before the crucifixion, he cried out and he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Can you imagine sweating drops of blood and pain and the agony, the emotion? And yet Jesus is reminded in that moment, he's reminding himself, it's the cry in his heart. And he's reminding us that our circumstances that we find ourselves in, our pain, our suffering, is not the focus. The focus is our relationship with Abba, Father. Church, adoption, and and I hope it came across on some of these videos, that adoption is difficult taking any child and placing them in a new environment is difficult. There's a movie that came out not too long ago that chronicled some of the challenges of foster of, of foster care, of fostering and adoption called instant family. And once the child tests the boundaries to understand that no matter what I do, they will still love me They are not leaving me. The child begins to change their anger, their rebelliousness, turns into love because their parents love them first. And their love turns into obedience. This is how it is with Christ as we learn that God has not left us to die in our sin, but actually came down to pay for our sin upon the cross. The love of God grows in our hearts until our desire to be led by the Spirit overflows and we cry, Daddy, I need you. Abba, Father, it's a cry of needing. You know, my father, when he was saved, He had never even heard the gospel. And yet he cried this prayer, Abba, Father, I need you, God. And then he began a search to find God. And that's actually how he became a Christian, was he cried out to God, I need you in my life. It's a drastic change as a young man, as a 46, 49-year-old, 50-year-old man says, I need God. I'm going to search and find him. Then we got plugged into a biblical church who preached the word. And guess what? Now I stand to you as a pastor who preaches the word, right? God works those things out. It's funny how he does that. But if we're children of God, we are also heirs of the inheritance of Christ. When we see the treasure we have in Christ, we're willing to walk the difficult path because we know that in the end, it is worth it. We will see glory.
Amen? We will be in the presence of God. The Spirit is a down payment, if you will. But the fullness of glory will be revealed in the end, the inheritance in which we see and in God's presence for all eternity. We return to the elements in the garden with the beautiful creation, the creativity, the nature of God in which he and man dwell in this perfect relationship with one another. He provides and works this garden. This is what it will be like in heaven. And we know that we can walk this path of this earth because we know what our inheritance will be. Verse 17 And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. This is point number three this morning. Children of God are given the inheritance of Christ. Children of God are given the inheritance of Christ. What Christ has been given, we are given. Why? Because the imputed righteousness of Christ has been imputed upon us. An interesting truth, as Jesus says in Matthew 25, 34, then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Inherit the kingdom of God. What a promise. Peter describes this inheritance, 1 Peter 1, 4, to an inheritance that is imperishable. We've got a lot of things perishable in today's world, right? You you keep your meat out too long, it, it perishes. It stinks. The inheritance that God gives is imperishable. It will last. It's undefiled. Meaning it's pure. It's perfect. It's holy. Don't you hate when you go to a restaurant and you, you get your soup and there's a hair in it? It's defiled. God's inheritance is undefiled. Amen? It's unfading. Means it won't fade away. I'm getting a little bit older in the basketball court. And when I, I kind of tend to fade away as game three or game four happens. God's inheritance does not fade away. And it's kept in heaven for you. Praise the Lord. So Christ pays for our sin. God now gives us what was deserving of Christ and his perfect obedience to the Father. It's an incredible picture. God allows us to be in the family of God He calls us sons and daughters of God himself. God now gives us what was deserving of Christ. The picture is this inheritance that you're given is so great that this world's light momentary affliction is nothing 
for the reward that awaits us in eternity. I think of Jacob, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Jacob in Genesis, as he works seven years for, for Laban to give him his daughter, Rachel, as his wife. And he says in the next line, it seemed like a few days for him. Knowing what he was to inherit. Seven years, that's a long time, right? To work for a wife? I would do it. Yep. (laughs) Seven years. And it seemed like a few days for him. The road as a Christ follower is not easy. Often suffering in the name of Christ. We long for our, our full inheritance. But if we know what we are gaining at the end of the road, at the end of the line, it seems like a, a few days for us. Look at verse 23 with me. I'm going to go out, go out of our text, but verse 23 And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Verse 22, for we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. We all understand this concept that we are groaning for our full inheritance in Christ to be where he will wipe every tear from our eye. All the pain and all the suffering will be gone because we will be in the presence of our Lord all the goodness of God, all the creativity of God, all the beauty of God himself for all eternity in our midst. And God has declared you, his church, now his children. And now what is left for us but to love him with our life. When Christians talk about this relationship with God, this is what they mean. That they are a child of God. That their spirit inside of them declares that God is their father. Why? That they need him. That they are led by him. They want to be led by him in their life. And they do that. Why? Because they love him. Why do they love him? Because they know his love for them. Romans 8, 38 says this. If you're ever struggling with, does God really love me even in my sin, my shame, my wickedness? I can never be forgiven for the things that I've done. God says this, for I am sure that neither life nor death nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
This is why Christ came to die for sinners like you and for me to wash us clean the picture we saw in the baptism to give us a new life so that we can live spirit-filled, abundant lives for the glory of God. Rest in the love of God this morning. Cry out to the Father who wants to hear from you. Let's do that as a church right now. Father, as we come before you as a time of of response to your word, we ask that we would cry out to you. That we would cry out in prayer, Father, that we need you. Father, if there's anyone in this room today that has never given their life to Christ, we pray that they would cry out to you that they would picture their faith in you through their baptism, that they would call and say, I want to be baptized, that they would talk to a pastor today and say, I want to be in the kingdom of God. If they want to be a part of this church family that loves one another, that they would say, hey, I, I want to be a part of this body. body of Christ here at Northwest. Lord, we thank you for each and every person in this room today. We pray that they would be touched by your love and that they would cry out to you in their life. They would be reminded of who you are and what you have done for them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you'll stand